Hi, I'm Penny Spikins, archaeologist at the University of York, specialising in human origins. And I'm Dorothea Debus, also from the University of York, specialising in the philosophy of mind. And you're listening to The Story of Things, a podcast about the meaning of everyday objects from the past and present that help us explain the world we live in. episode we're going to be looking at how objects are things that sometimes we treasure because of how unique they are and how unique they are to us. So Dorothea I see that this week you've brought the object in. Yeah so this week we've got a book here which we've been told about by someone through our survey Um, and so this book is a book for children or or young girls got a, a picture of the cover Um, And then on the uh, second page, it has a really lovely inscription. It says something like, to Samantha for a good school report from mummy and daddy. So clearly um, this book was given to someone called Samantha, who has now told us about it. Um, And it seems very special to them. And you can understand why it might have been special to them, because it was given to them by their parents when they did well in school. And if you look at the book, it seems um, the spine is really creased. It seems like it's been read a lot. So it must have played quite a, an important part in, in Samantha's life. And she tells us that it's still extremely important to her. So uh, I think that's an interesting example to think about in in our present context. Because books, you think that there are lots and lots of copies of each book we've got, right? Yeah. So um, there'll be lots and lots of copies of this very book out there. Uh, on lots and lots of bookshelves in lots and lots of uh, different cities and villages around the country. So, um, but then Samantha values this particular book, right? And so yeah, one it's interesting special question, to her, but I could see it in a boot sale and it, and it wouldn't mean something to me. Exactly. And so then one interesting question would be why exactly does she value this book mm-hmm. rather than any other copy of the same book? Right. And then I guess one thing you could say is that she values this book because this book has the inscription that I've just read out. So the other books don't have the inscription from her mom and dad. Yeah. Um, this book has been read in certain ways. So the spine is creased in certain ways and other books might not be creased like that. Uh-huh. So there might be all sorts of physical characteristics that this book now has, which other copies of the same book might not have. Yeah. Um, but we can play that a bit further. So... So so maybe, maybe that's why she values it. Maybe it's just because this book, as it happens, has certain physical characteristics that none of the other copies of the book um, that are available out there somewhere yeah. have. But then let's try and think about some uh, thought experiment, as philosophers call it. So let's uh, think of someone who says, look here, I'll give you a completely perfect copy of this very book so Uh they'll they'll apply all their skills in in putting an inscription in the front that looks exactly like this inscription creasing their spine as much and in exactly the same way as this book has been creased so they give you a completely identical copy a qualitatively identical copy of this very book so now assume you've got two books in front of you yeah one is the original book the other one looks exactly the same but it's the copy that this nifty forger or whatever has made for us here uh-huh. for, yeah, yeah. for our present purposes. And the question is, what would Samantha do? 
which one would she pick if she was told you have to pick she'd one want of her three. book wouldn't she there'd be no right. question she'd I say my right. book that yeah. one might be identical yeah. but it's not actually mine yeah and that's, that's really right. interesting and that I, is interesting because it seems to mean that it can't be just the physical properties of the object that are important right yeah if it was just the physical properties and if you think that these two I mean, that's our thought experiment. Assume it's possible to reduplicate this book yeah. so that the, the other item has exactly the same physical properties as the first one. Then then it should not matter which one to take if if what mattered about the book was just its physical properties. That's really interesting. I know that they've done some research on small children who've been asked, you know, OK, so here's an identical toy. It's absolutely the same as your toy. Would you swap it? And no, it's the same for them. Even from when they're five or six, they'll say, no, no. Only my toy, my, their toys already have that special value that isn't just to do with the physical characteristics. You made me think, actually, uh, you remember in the first episode, we talked about the hand axe. Well, you know, I had to like cycle all the way over to the other side of York to pick the hand axe up from the museum, to bring it over here, to take it back again. In the rain, I was going completely mm. soaked. Um, and yeah, I have replica hand axes that I've made, but I couldn't have brought one of those in because they're definitely not the same. And yet, physically... They look the same, don't they? So there's something special about some objects that isn't just to do with the physical characteristics of those objects, isn't it? Yeah, so we seem to value those meaningful objects, um, not just in virtue of their physical characteristics, it seems. So then why? What is it about these objects that we do value if it's not just the physical characteristics? Why? Why do we want this particular object? Why do we value this particular object, this unique object, over any other qualitatively identical copy? That is really interesting. That reminds me, you know, I have I have a tree in my office. Now you might laugh, but like, you know, it's not it's not a plant. It's definitely a tree, the size of it. Um, and yet, I'm really quite fond of it, even though it's completely impractical now the way it's grown. Um, and that's because I. I moved to an office 14 years ago and there was this dead twig there on the on the office on my desk and I, well it looked like a dead twig and I thought I wonder if I can bring it back to life and that now is the enormous tree that is in my office and mm. it's because I've kind of nurtured it into existence that I'm now quite attached to my tree mm. even though we might say that that's a little problematic because it's definitely an impractical house plan <laughs> yeah, I hardly get any light I can hardly <laughs> see it's hardly any room for students to say it that gets in the way but there's something you know it has a story a relationship yeah but then more than anything about attachment is interesting here too right because maybe that could carry over to understanding uh these other cases that we started our uh session out today yeah um so maybe what really matters about um the book what matters to some about the book maybe is uh, uh, an attachment she has formed to this particular book and uh-huh. not to any of the qualitatively identical copies. Absolutely. Right? And so you've formed an attachment to your tree. Um, we don't want to create any identical copies of that tree, but in any case, uh, it seems that there's some deep personal attachment to a particular object yes. rather than any other object that might be qualitatively physically identical. And that the interesting thing about that sense of attachment to things is, of course, that they're not it's not always good very often it is it may be that an object that shared our life gives us positive emotions but on the other hand attaching ourselves to an object can be damaging I mean I'm going to want to move offices I'm going to find it really hard because I've got this huge tree I'm probably going to have to get rid of my tree I'm probably going to be emotionally affected by having to get rid of my tree in order to move offices but that's only a small thing very often 
we be, we can become attached to things um, even over and above people or over and above things that ought to be more important in our lives reminds me a little bit of the Buddhist concept of attachment that you know if you care about something or someone and that's all positive then that's fine but as soon as you feel a need to have something as soon as you're grabbing for something it's something that you have to have then that becomes damaging to you and other people around you so sometimes objects can feel like things that we have to have that we'd feel we couldn't manage without um, and so in some ways sometimes they're not always helping our emotional well-being are they there are cases in which objects can get in the way of our relationships with other people that seems right so last week we were talking about a teddy bear that might have stabilizing emotional role in someone's yep. life but now you're sketching a case where being attached to some object might be detrimental so sometimes a meaningful object might help you yeah uh, and might make you calm in the face of anxiety or something that might be a good effect but other times a meaningful object might gain too much meaning and too much space in your life and then um your life going less well than it would have otherwise gone that seems that seems right that's true i mean some people end up hoarding things and it's not hard to understand how yeah. that happens but then we see what happens to their house to their relationships you know and we can see that actually sometimes meaningful objects can become things we need to such a great extent that you know it can have damaging effects on, on ourselves and our relationships that seems right but then so to come back to our earlier point about uniqueness um so we said that we seem to value some uh, some objects, these meaningful objects, in virtue of their particularity or their uniqueness. So what we value is not just the physical properties that the object has, but we value this particular object because it's this particular yeah. object. And then we try to understand that a bit more by saying, well, yeah, maybe what we do value here is that um, we have formed attachments to this particular object rather mm -hmm. than to any other particular object. So um, you um, you have formed an attachment to this particular tree in your office rather than any other yep. plant. And so now you value this particular plant for its unique thisness, as a philosopher might say. It doesn't sound so good. But anyway, so you value this particular plant rather than any other plant because you have this relationship of attachment that you have to this plant and not to any other plant. So that might explain why you value this particular plant because yes. you stand in this particular relationship to this plant and no such relationship obtains to any of the other plants that you might also be presented with in your daily life. Right? And similarly with uh, Samantha's book that we looked at at the very beginning, you might well say the reason why if she's confronted with a qualitatively identical copy, yeah. she would still definitely want her own copy is because she has formed this relationship of attachment yeah. with this particular book, I mean, this particular copy, rather than any other copy that might be physically exactly identical with this particular copy. So that's interesting. So one reason why we value uniqueness in this case might well be this relationship of attachment that we can only develop to unique objects so yeah. we don't develop these attachments to generalizations general well that's true sets of I properties mean, we all think my, my children seem to me the most wonderful children in the entire world they're completely perfect mm -hmm. and we do something similar to objects you know we are in our 
kind of human relationships, people become special beyond everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and also objects in the same way become special. And that makes me wonder whether really there's something important that objects do as we grow up, because perhaps they help us kind of practice attachments. Because as we grow up as children, objects will come in and out of our lives. They will be destroyed. We will develop an attachment to a teddy bear that then like loses its arm in the wash and then, you know, becomes destroyed or lost or, you know, like something else happens to it. So I wonder whether sometimes what objects are doing without us realizing it is giving us a chance to practice the emotions of like being attached and then how we feel when we get hurt, when things get damaged or destroyed or losing those attachments in a kind of safe way. Because these aren't people, but they are objects and we our connection to them is perhaps allowing us to kind of explore those emotional relationships a little bit more. Yeah, that seems a very, very interesting thought. And there's a lot of plausibility in there. right? So I, I guess we should ask some colleagues to investigate that empirically. That, that, yeah. would, that would be very interesting to see what psychologists might be saying about that um i think uh, another topic that we might well try to raise here is the question whether there might be anything else about um us valuing particularity in these cases so uh, one way to explain this as we've now done is to say well um we value this particular object because we formed this attachment to this particular object um there might be a question as to whether we might not always uh, might sometimes also just value the object because it is a particular object so that sounds very very abstract uh-huh. right but there might be something there so um Derek Cohen a, a very famous philosopher once said that we are attached that this is a quote we are attached to particular things because we need to belong to something and we therefore need some things to belong to us so here the idea seems to be that somehow um it's part of our human condition that we are particular human beings and we find ourselves in a world of particularity yeah all sorts of particular objects and somehow we need to fit in there yeah and then we value these particular objects because they are means for us to fit in and belong yeah which i think is an interesting thought as well yeah i think that's really interesting i came across some research recently on the influence of different things that we have on our desks so most of us have got a kind of work desk of some kind and we've got things on it well uh, if you compare people who uh, have i don't uh, told they can have nothing on their desk or they have sort of set things that work of defined on desk with people who've got their own personal things um, you see there's big differences and by their own personal things, um, it's not that those are set out. It's not that everyone should have a photograph or should have a plant or should have some particular set of pens. But just merely having unique things that are particularly yours increases productivity. So quite remarkably, there's something that these <laughs> objects are doing that are unique mm. to us that's actually making us work better and think better and be more able just by their presence. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. So these objects also have some instrumental value, right? So well, yeah. that means in, in virtue of having these objects present, we become more productive. Absolutely. <laughs> so far, we'd only thought about... Um, valuing the object in itself but now we might also think about ways of valuing the object because it will increase my productivity so I bring my meaningful object along and put it on my desk so that I will be more productive that's an interesting thought well I guess it would only work if it was really meaningful to you it wouldn't work if you brought along some random thing to pretend it was a meaningful object it has to actually must have to mean something to you and be genuinely unique to you Um, and it's interesting we don't quite understand what's happening to people that that works that way why is it and what actually is the object doing because of course 
they don't even touch it maybe it's just vaguely in their field of vision so what does it do to change the way people are in that sense yeah that is interesting i guess we could play around with some of the things that we said last time right so maybe the object calms the people who yeah. for whom the object is meaningful maybe it gives them a sense of belonging as we've just said yeah. here so um if if it's true that we need these particular things because we need to belong and these particular things give us a way of belonging then maybe bringing those particular things along to work might make us feel more secure in ourselves and then work more productively all sorts but i think this this sort of research also highlights uh, another more general topic that we haven't yet talked about that much it seems that when we're talking about meaningful objects we usually and and their value we usually think about us valuing these objects in and of themselves for their own sake yeah right so um that's philosophers sometimes talk about this as being the object as the object having an intrinsic value so yeah. we think of the object having value in itself yeah. and that seems to be important about these meaningful objects because we do seem to value them in themselves Absolutely. but as the research that you've just outlined highlights they might also have what they call instrumental value yeah. so we might not just value them in themselves but might also value them for good consequences that they might have yeah that's very true further our productivity Right, so maybe uh, we should just go right back to the beginning of uh, this session and think again about uh, Sam's book. So we said at the beginning that it's really um, interesting and maybe surprising that uh, it seems clear that Sam would never want to have a qualitatively identical copy of this book, right? So Sam treasures this book and if someone came along and gave her a choice between this particular copy of the book and a qualitatively completely identical copy of the book, she would, we are fairly certain, choose the original version and not the qualitatively identical copy. And we we, uh, set out to ask why why that might be so and i think we've, we've um, come across some really interesting thoughts so one thought was that well it's this particular copy to which he has formed a relationship of attachment so it's important that this particular book is important to her because she has this attachment relationship to this particular book and she doesn't have any such relationship to the qualitatively identical copy so maybe what gives this particular object this value is the relationship in which she stands to it um, then we said a bit about how this might sometimes be valuable standing in this relationship of attachment, but how sometimes it might also be dis- of disvalue. Yeah. Um, when you get too attached, your life might go less well than it could otherwise do. Um, but in the good cases, there might well be a value to developing a relationship of attachment to an object. And you suggested at some point that might also be a way of learning to um, develop ways of forming healthy attachment relationships yeah. to people so maybe being attached to an object as a step yeah. in in a development um and i guess uh, one last thing that we haven't yet spoken so much about is the idea that somehow in uh, valuing a particular object to which i am somehow related just in virtue of my valuing it i also experience myself as somehow a particular individual yeah and that in turn might also be a valuable and important thing um uh, it might help it might ground myself in this world of particulars to experience myself as a particular vis-a-vis another particular mm. object which i uh, might value just because it gives me this experience of uniqueness myself so in yeah. valuing the unique object i might also experience myself as 
a unique individual that happens to stand in this relationship to this particular object and that in turn might be a part of why we value these meaningful objects in our lives absolutely the story of things is brought to you by the university of york's festival of ideas presented by penny spikins and dorothea deboos with contributions from taryn bell produced by james lebro and matthew edwards with music written and performed by richard evans with special thanks to the University of York's Department of Theatre, Film and Television. Search for Comforting Things York or look on the Festival of Ideas website and there you'll find a survey we'd love to hear about your favourite meaningful or comforting possessions.